There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss. Today, we're joined by Dagmara Asprick, and we're going to talk about how to become an extraordinary leader with a focus on building a thriving culture and a great team. Dagmara is joining us from a long, long ways away. We're going to talk about that from Dubai, which is so, so cool. I love meeting people from all over the world. She is absolutely extraordinary. I met her through LinkedIn, been following her, her content, her ideas, her strategies. You're, you're going to love it as well. We had a pre-conversation a while ago. We're finally able to get the conversation going, and I'm just so, so excited. She's got 15 years of experience in global automotive corporations and procurement. She's a transformative executive leadership and team certified coach. She's a keynote speaker. Um, she talks about this this conversation about uh, bringing positive intelligence to organizations, um, other specializations in psychological safety, trust. She's a student of leadership, a lifelong student of leadership, which really aligns with me. There's no destination. I like to remind people that, you know, we're going to talk about our way of leading. And in these areas, it's not the only way. And and I think when we talk about these types of things, it, it's, it's about uh, an aspiration to hopefully to show up as much as we can like this day in and day out, but knowing that we're human and knowing at times we're going to come up short and have grace for ourselves and continue to move on because that's what extraordinary leaders do. Dagmara, welcome to the Leader Specs podcast. Thank you very much, Danny, for this uh, so kind introduction. And yeah, it's such an honor to be here with you today. Oh, it is a complete honor. Uh, just in case I didn't say it right or messed it up, could you please um, uh, introduce yourself? Tell us the correct pronunciation of your name. <laughs> so first of all, you did it very well. So congratulations on pronouncing my name. You know, sometimes uh, <laughs> I need to pay attention since my last name is Dutch and my first name is Polish, right? And yeah, um, so I think in, you 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 kindly already introduced uh, some of the key components of who I am or where I come from. So I spent 15 years in uh, automotive space. I was in business on a procurement side in three large corporations and three different types of cultures uh, from culture point of view and as well inside culture point of view. So that was uh, French and Japanese and, and Swedish companies that I've been to. Um, and I really love the space of procurement because it's such a function that, you know, adds value to business, especially in automotive where, you know, quite a lot of products and services I acquired from suppliers. So I was um, for a long time in a strategic side of the business, managing strategic relationships. Uh, and then initiating and leading change uh, within the organization, within the function and leading people and leading teams. So uh, it has been really um, a great time for me to, to learn, to grow, to develop in several areas from, you know, strategic thinking to really, really leading. And, and uh, I also experienced different types of leadership in those companies. And I experienced a great leadership and I experienced a not such a good leadership, uh, including, you know, a toxic relationship with my own boss uh, and being bullied. And uh, and myself, I always aspire to be, you know, a leader that people want to be surrounded with, that make an impact, that inspire people, that develop people, that build this 
great teams where people really, really happily work together. I always have this kind of beautiful image. And somewhere in the middle of my career, where I was already leading teams and people, uh, I faced challenges, right? So having the big vision, this desire and determination for myself, I faced challenges. And those challenges were, um, you know, leading me with uh, dealing with resistance, with motivation issues from my own people, sites and conflicts. And that really brought a lot of questions to myself, a lot of doubts about, you know, am I a good leader? Am I meant to be a leader? Uh, and 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 that was a very difficult phase for me. Um, I felt, you know, like what got me there will have got me further, right? Because I built success on who I was and how I was operating. So long story short, uh, I decided to embark on coaching and a coaching education because I figured that if I would be able to be a better listener, and ask powerful questions that will help me to leverage my effectiveness as a leader. Uh, and it came from, you know, crossing some leaders that were really good in that and that always inspired me. So I am about this journey of coaching, which definitely helped me to become much more, you know, present, uh, listening actively and, and equipped uh, leader in terms of coaching skills and asking proper questions. But what I didn't know is that that moment also turned out to be very pivotal in my life. And that was like an eye-opener journey for me, where I discovered um, quite a lot of biases and uh, and things or limiting limitations, inner limitations, I call it, which were within me, which, uh, uh, which I needed to work on as a leader uh, to be a better version of myself, to make a better impact. Um, and I took this challenge on, right? So I've been since then, uh, you know, deepening awareness, really going deep into myself, as well as working on those ineffective behaviors, mindset, subconscious, a lot of different things, fears. And it helped me first, of course, to communicate uh, more effectively with my team, build better trust and relationships, show up more vulnerable and build this important trust and psychological space and grow people. And teams. Um, so fast forward, you know, I was very passionate about all of that, bringing, you know, the mindset of coaching and tools to leading people and leading teams. Um, and yeah, two years ago, I needed or two and a half or three. I needed, I started to ask myself the questions, you know, hmm, I'm sensing that huge passion and, and you know, energy uh, from, from coaching and empowering people. So do I want to, you know, continue my career in procurement or do I want to do something else? And two years ago, I decided to follow my passion, my calling, my mission kind of. Um, the, the desire was bigger than a fear. And that's what I do now. So I am working with, I have a pleasure to work with um, senior and executive leaders from different types of companies, from small to large, and empower them to you know, transform to be inspiring, um, make a positive impact, build striving teams, and also be fulfilled themselves and happy in life, because that's such an important element. And that's wow. where I am today. <laughs> so what an incredible journey. What a, so much experience. And I really admire the, the different experience you're talking about you know, working with companies in several different companies, lots of different culture, different languages, different, you know, potential priorities and, and really being able to dial in and help them. And then you said something as you made your transition it, and boy, I wrote it down. It was 
your desire was bigger than your fear. And the ability to take that step, the courage, because it really is, as I listen to you talk in this introduction and sharing about your experience, it's about making an impact. It's about growing people and teams, empowerment, creating the right type of environment for people to reach their true success, to accomplish their purpose, to feel connected, to feel like they belong so they can make their impact. And that's just, that's beautiful. That is, that is really special. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for that. So, for noticing so, that. <laughs> so I love, so I love this idea. So you're the founder of extraordinary leadership and what, what does, and I know this is, a huge concept with lots of layers, but what does extraordinary leadership look like to you? That's a very good question. And I did ask myself this question when I was choosing the name. <laughs> that was actually first, like, what's the name I'm going to choose for what I'm standing, right? There's so many different labels nowadays, servant leadership, inspiring leadership, collaborative leadership. So, so you know, <clears throat> The 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 that I chose for extraordinary leadership because uh, I guess that first I wanted to um, combine those different ways of an approach that we're having, but in a nutshell, it goes back to um, being a leader that is conscious, that is really putting focus on growing him or herself, because that's for me really where the whole journey of leadership starts. Uh, it's about leaders who are human-centric, who really, as you say, uh, focus on growing individuals, empowering individuals, and at the same time, developing thriving teams and creating that environment where people can really thrive and, uh, you know, unleash their potential. Because when leaders do that, magic happens, yeah? The collaboration is better. We start to co-create. We start to... Uh, embrace difficult conversations with more ease. We start to be okay with feedback. We start to create more ideas and so on and so forth. So yeah, it goes about leaders who are uh, focusing on our own growth. And as I always say, being the change to lead the change. So, you know, starts with you um, and focusing on people. Uh, that's why, you know, those two keywords kind of uh, describe it well, conscious and human centric, which I for a long time was thinking, you know, how to embrace this big picture in a kind of two or three sentences. So that's for me, what is extraordinary leadership? Grow, growing yourself, investing in yourself, making sure that you have the competencies to then unleash that leadership ability, that human connection, inspiration, motivation, empowerment through human-centric leadership. And I'm a huge fan of leading the person. You know, it's funny, when I first got into leadership uh, many years ago now, they were teaching us to stay away from personal conversations, from learning about people away from work, that this is work, there's no room for that. And boy, how, how wrong was that? And I never bought into it. I always felt that personal connection was so important to understand people holistically, to be human centric. Um, you know, what, and when leaders do this, you said magic happens and boy, boy does it. So let's talk about some of the elements and components as we talk about extraordinary leadership, but specifically Dylan, how do you build thriving cultures and, and great teams? Could you talk about maybe the, the framework 
the, the key focus areas, and then we can maybe go through those one at a time. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure. With a pleasure. So I did um, develop a framework, right? <laughs> so becoming an external leader, where I put you know, personal experiences as a leader, um, experiences for my own journey of transformation and whatever you know I'm experiencing currently because I never stop growing and transforming further right is now as a leader in a different way and entrepreneur um and it has three three components to it um it is about um transforming self that's how I call this very first blocks so the second is about building thriving teams and cultures because it's very connected and the third is about empowering people so those are the three components of the journey uh, that leader and external leaders go through to become extraordinary, to be, you know, impact, uh, impactful, of making a positive impact, inspiring and really nurturing that positive environment for people to thrive. So be, be a leader and lead yourself, number one. Then it's about okay. creating thriving cultures and teams, which we're going to dive into. And then it is the develop and empower people. Because you've got to really create the right culture and team environment for people to be ready to be empowered and enabled for them to get to a stage to where they're creative and innovative and solve solve different problems. So as I was looking at the framework for, for building a thriving culture and team, I, I loved how it all began with vision, purpose, values, uh, a real clarity there about where we're going. Why is that number one? Why is that important? Um, walk us through that and how you do that. Yeah. So I think there are actually two dimensions of it. So it allowed me to, to spend a little moment on actually the first pillar, which is total important for the second, right? For the driving. Because actually when we think about the vision, purpose, and values, we can look at it from our own perspective of leaders, because that's where it actually starts. And then in the context of a team, it's the same question, the same exercise. So I would take it as a two different uh, approaches. Now, so let's start with the individual because I'm so much, you know, uh, fond of uh, starting with you. I mean, with every leader uh, and why, why it's so important because, uh, and in enough, because first of all, you know, everything is reflection of you. Your team is a reflection of you. Level of consciousness and level of awareness, level of uh, uh, your own confidence, right? Um, and when we talk about um, becoming a leader or transforming yourself, it actually narrows down to like kind of two areas. One area is this clarity and inner alignment, which is, you know, where the values, the vision, the personal leadership vision, right? Um, and purpose come into. Because once we know that about ourselves as leaders, it gives us a sense of direction and clarity how we communicate, how we lead, where we put our priorities in terms of leading others. So that is the first, and it creates also a leadership brand, right? Because this is then who you are, that makes you you, and it helps you to be more authentic, right? So that's the first. But the second part is equally important, is how do you manage yourself? How do you master yourself? How do you master your emotions? How do you uh, uh, master your biases and Really, we have 95% of our behaviors come from subconscious. So there is a huge part of what we don't know that we don't know about ourselves. So if we are focusing on growing and transforming ourselves or becoming a better version of ourselves as leaders, this is about uncovering that territory. 
And there are a lot of biases we have about ourselves. This is where I'm not good enough comes. And this is where all linked of, of you know, being too much um, controlling or resisting difficult conversations come from. So really unpacking your ineffective behaviors and working on them and um, and working on your mindset is such an emotions management. It's such an important part. And those are the two components of leading yourself first. And if and and I believe that um, you know we don't spend enough. Our leaders don't spend enough time there. We rush into okay, give me the tools, give me the you know tactics, what I need to one two three, and then I go boom. We don't spend enough time on working on ourselves, reflecting, and getting to know ourselves so that we can be really authentic and we can be really also healthy, confident, because that is directly impacting how what kind of environment we create. If we are basically you know leading from the place of fear. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of um, of what think people think about us. Um, directly, it's going to impact uh, how we're going to create that space or, or how we're going to make the other people feel. So we need to first work on ourselves to actually uncover those blind spots and break through them and uh, and tap to our own potential. So that's kind of first. Now, coming back to your question of vision, values, and purpose, and why they're important, that was the first context is yourself. Now, the second part, which is connected with thriving teams and cultures, so this is where we talk about discovering that for team, right? So when you are leading a team, uh, one of the very first um, parts on a journey is to actually co-create that vision, shared purpose, and also talk about what is important for us, what are the values in, in this team that, and how we're going to align with them in terms of behaviors, in terms of you know getting along together. Uh, and why is that important? Because this is actually uh, connecting us to, to the why, why we are a team. The purpose is a kind of first component. Team becomes a team when there is a shared purpose. Otherwise, it's a group of people. So creating it collectively, for example, a form of me workshop and you know going through exercises such as you know why we are here to uh, here as a team it was the impact that we uh, we want to make on a business uh uh what is the legacy that we want to leave as a team uh what, what makes us you know uh differentiate from other teams uh those are example of questions where we start to create together as a team uh, the purpose of why we actually exist was the purpose of business and then we can start to paint the picture the vision, the direction, where we want to head in together. And why it's important to do it together? Because there's a first level of buy-in. That's the first level of motivation, right? So many leaders, I think, also think about, I need to be the one creating the vision and everything. But then you already lose a bit of inclusive process by doing so. And yes, there is some part that, of course, the higher we go in organization, there we cannot include the whole organization and everything. But the more we can include people in co-creating the vision, the shared purpose, and and having a dialogue about values and how we want to leave them, the better for their team and organization. So it's for the engagement. At the people end. people support what they create. They buy into it, right? They they can get ownership of it. It is it is so important. I love how as we look at vision, purpose, values, it's about clarity with self first. Because I often see new leaders, experienced leaders. They're all outward focused. What do they need to fix? How do they want things to be? What could this person do better? This person. And rarely do they look in the mirror. And when they do, rarely do they see 
what other people see. And so really spending that time to understand what's our purpose, what drives us, what are our motivators, getting real clear on self, what are our values, what are our principles? You know, one of the things that it took, I don't know, about 10 months to dial in on the 12 laws of leadership excellence, those principles. It was quicker to dial in on the values that that I wrap all my leadership around because during the most difficult and challenging times, you know, there's no single book we can turn to. There's no single person we can turn to that has every answer to all the complex things we'll face. But if we lean into our values and we lean into our principles and we're fully committed to the vision, our purpose, all the answers to our most difficult challenges and are in those times we face are found within those. You know, we were talking about a situation that I won't go into before we, we came on here, but it's a difficult situation. It involves a human being that's that's struggling and it's a difficult time. It involves a family. Two of my values are empathy and compassion. One of my values is service. And so as we think about how to deal with this complex issue, leaning into empathy, leaning into compassion, leaning in to service and support, all of a sudden what we need to do in this situation for this person, for their family, for our team becomes very, very, it becomes very clear. And instead of just leaning into legalities or, you know, things on that side. And then, you know, as you talk about this, okay, you get clear on your values, on your principles, on who you are, what are your triggers? What are your motivators? What are your passions? And you bring this in involving our teams. Just because I have these 12 values doesn't mean that those 12 values have to be the 12 values that guide our team. Where do we find that common ground? We're, and by doing that, we learn, we grow. We're, and, and it's a big part of what you said is a big part of our seven pillars of ownership and that aligning purpose, because there has to be a shared purpose. Because like you said, without shared purpose, there's there, there isn't a team. It's a group of individuals. And so I thought you yeah. did that you know, just beautifully as you, as you drew those two things out. Yeah, so I'm I'm hearing that we have a lot of connecting points between our way of of what we do in this space, and that is why actually I, I do agree. I do agree with everything what you said, and you so nicely uh, pointed another element is decision taking. So this clarity of direction and clarity on uh, on what is important, because values is actually what is important, right? What are the things? What are the needs? Uh, uh, and uh, that helps us in decision taking, especially in those challenging. Uh, situations because it's like our compass for it, it. is yeah it is either on a collective level or on the individual level yeah and then there is another puzzle which is intuition but that's another story you go pretty uh, deep with that so number so after after we get clear you know and obviously we could talk about vision purpose values that dive into ourselves, into our team and how to do that for for hours um but i think you've done a great job of of succinctly communicating and a dive that people can take things. Okay. I can do that today. I can do that tomorrow. Let me get clear on that. Let me go back to this. Second thing, trust and psychological safety. Why is that number two? Well, you know, it's like a foundation to, of the house of a team and on a culture. And I realized that when I came across a, a book and model that I later got uh, certified on, which is called Five Dysfunctions of a Team from Patrick Lencioni, who is really helping us, right? To simply see it in a nice pyramid shape. Yeah. Talks 
as, as a vulnerability-based trust. Later on, when I got across the work of Timothy Clark, um, who I also uh, uh, follow and, 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 and certified myself on, it's all about psychological safety. There's so much liaisons, right? And so, you know, without that, it's like without the air. <laughs> if you're not able to build that level of trust where people feel safe to be vulnerable with each other, uh, which I borrow from the definition of Timothy Clark, and I really like it because it's so simple. It simplifies in a fine force what psychological safety is about, is an environment where people feel vulnerable, feel okay to be vulnerable with each other in many different ways, um, starting from you know asking questions and not being afraid to be judged, right? Or admitting mistakes and uh, and 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 talking about lessons learned from that, and not being afraid to you know lose maybe even a job. So there are different aspects of psychological safety, but it's basically the foundation to first of all to honest conversations in a team, because without that, nobody will admit anything, right? People are not uh, are afraid about saying things that they would like to say is actually a fundament for people bringing their full self to work. Because just think about it when you have an environment where you have to be careful what you say, how you say, then you're not going to show up fully and express yourself fully uh, the way you would like to. And then that will limit the contribution that will limit the creativity. Yeah, um, That's another aspect. Um, Another one is, of course, accountability. We cannot have an honest conversation and a true feedback discussions if we don't feel a sense of safety and trust in the other human being. Yeah, um, and and I think there is one. I mean, there is one more, which is very very fundamental, which is about human connection. Which, you know. Um, especially after COVID has become a very more and more uh, a need, right? We are all connected virtually and so on. So how do we really feel connected? And uh, the space of feeling connected, which is also contributing to collaboration, relationships and so on, uh, starts with developing nurturing trust, uh, trust and, and psychological safety. So honestly, without that foundation, the house is collapsing. Yeah. And very often, whenever teams or leaders are coming with challenges like, you know, there is a conflict or there is uh, people are not following up on what they say uh, or there is lack of accountability or like or silent meetings, it usually really first starts into building that foundation of trust and psychological safety before we can talk about the other layers, which are important to business. What do you think are a couple of the key components or elements to building trust and or psychological safety because they're they're different things right um but but what do you think are some of the key elements to create strong levels of trust that really turn into psychological safety mm, yeah that's a very good question and you know in simplicity there are so many different formulas of trust and psychological safety but when and indeed they are a little bit different but they they align on each other so to build trust you know, it's about obviously the credibility and the reliability. This is like the basic foundation um, about, you know, that, that's where we actually, when we think about trust first, we think about that. Is this person credible? Does this person have skills for the job? Has brought the results? And reliability is, you know, walking talk. So do you do what you say? So that's the first component of trust. But there is a third component, in my opinion, that is so much uh, uh, you know, a, a, a gate opener for psychological safety, which is authenticity. 
which is the level of um, your personal vulnerability and openness to show up yourself fully as a leader. Because when you do that, when you, you know, talk about um, even emotions or that you don't know everything, right? This is a, an example of showing up vulnerable. And when you do that as a leader, that is starting to open up the psychological safe space because you are the first to open that space where people also will be opening more. And talking about that conversations that we talk about, you know, it's important to be close to people, understand them. Then the conversations can happen because you can ask the question, how are you really doing? But if you have not opened the space of psychological safety, the answer most likely you will hear is a superficial level. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. So to enter into deeper, right? Are you really doing? Require you to build that space, right? So, so that that aspect of authenticity and vulnerability, I think, are key. Uh, is, is really a key, key component into opening the psychological safe space. And this can be done by, um, uh, you know, even asking for feedback. If a leader is, I mentioned already several things, right? Talking about how you feel, talking about that you don't know everything and, and that you need to be supported as a leader, but also sharing your mistakes and learnings is another thing. And also asking for feedback, you as a leader to the team. Actually, one of my uh, clients has, has done this exercise and he learned so much from this, right? And it's a great act of building connection and 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 learning also from your team of what you could do better, how you can better support them. And it's enormous act of vulnerability and showcasing role modeling that. You know, it, it really is. Psychological safety is pillar one on our seven pillars of ownership framework. And I've gone back and forth with all the different components to build. And one thing I hear you saying with authenticity and vulnerability is be human. Be human. Leaders don't have to know everything. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't always have to be right. In fact, the sooner and earlier that we can be vulnerable and authentic and say, you know what? I don't know the answer. That's why we have this team. You know, I was in this situation and man, I didn't show up as my best self. I made a mistake. This is what I learned. What other lessons? Um, it's so, so important. And and also the other thing I think that's really important with psychological safety is, you know, I often say our, our relationship with failure is one of the most important relationships we'll ever have. This idea that it's failure is learning. It's not, it doesn't put an X on us. It doesn't like stamp us forever. And if mm -hmm. we model those things as leaders, it's really, really powerful. And, you know, then step two is this, you talk about connection and this human connection. And that's where I really feel like belonging comes in. The The latest research, and it's it's not fresh and brand new, but from great places to work, is that purpose, and you said a keyword earlier, clarity and purpose, clarity and expectations and connection are the very strongest drivers of retention. Now, retention is something people are really worried about with workforce and workforce yeah. shortage, but it just starts with retention. It's productivity, collaboration, innovation, commitment, discretionary effort, all of these mm -hmm. different things that are, are two big things that I want to showcase that that you've already talked about and touched on is your help giving us the skills and strategies as we work through this framework. Anything you want to yeah. add to or build onto that? Yeah, I like you mentioned the word failure. And, you know, I I, I usually use the, the analogy of reinvent the failure because it's when you fail, you probably heard about acronym first attempt into learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, bringing that and even you can make a celebration. So very, very tangible, small thing you can bring in order to do that is, you know, let's celebrate the mistakes we made and lessons, right? So twisting it around from, you know, like elephant in a room towards, okay, let's enjoy the learnings from that, right? So that's another way, another twist. And I think uh, also the aspect of how do you, and I know that we will talk about it. How do you embrace conflicts and yeah. how do you respond when people disagree with you? That's also another area. And how do you create that space, actually, that people feel safe to express their different opinions? Because we all know that diverse teams, if we know how to handle them, have a better chance of success and so on. But in order to do that, we also need to enable a safe space for debates and yeah. healthy conflicts. Yeah. And 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 that is also a foundation for, for that. We need also a psychological safety in place. Well, I think that's a good transition to number three, healthy conflict. What what does healthy conflict mean to you? Like, so what does it look like to you? Why is it so important? Why have you listed it in your framework? Yeah, it's another key component to successful teams because you know it it at the end it goes about commitment and engagement. And um I think personally, uh, I was for a very long time in a culture where conflicts was considered something bad. Okay, so I came, you know, from that like avoiding conflict and trying to work on consensus only, and let's make everybody happy and everybody needs to agree. Then, you know, we will proceed, which slows down the process of decision making in organization. And again, when I came across uh, Patrick Lincioni, who was my eye opener in terms of rebranding conflicts, so actually something positive, and there were other influences later on in my life. Uh, because when you look at conflict, conflict, uh, now let's define what conflict is. Conflict is different viewpoints of a different um, way of, we seeing, of people seeing the situation. Um, and why healthy? Because here, the reason of health, uh, why we use the adjective healthy here, or I use the adjective healthy, is it goes about conflicts that are about the topic that we discuss, or challenge that we discuss, or product that we want to develop, whatever it is. Well, unhealthy conflict, of course, is when we start to uh, uh, not only be defensive, but really not be nice towards each other, right? So that's that's the distinction between healthy and unhealthy. Um, where we kind of, you know, jump on each other or are already against each other. So that's an unhealthy conflict. But healthy conflict, it goes about those debates that might be a bit heated even, because, or passionate, because people just have a different point of view on the same topic. And what beauty is about creating that space and allowing the people to bring those different ideas is to um, create new ideas. It's actually the, the source of innovation, source of creativity, and also understanding each other. Now, in order to come to that stage, uh, what needs normally to happen before is to understand each other better in the team, right? So where each of us come from and why. Yeah, there is a there is a there is a personality style behind, there is a culture, there is experience. So so that all flows into, into how we engage with each other in those debates. But why again? Because um when we all owe that space of, of you know debates and healthy conflicts, then we let the people to give their voice and participate in creating a solution. And that again is another etap of engagement, but another way of you know buying in, not only innovation and, and creative solutions to the problem, but also the, the engagement from the people then to follow on whatever comes out of such this debates and discussion or meeting. 
So it also serves the commitment to action. So I hear one of the one of the biggest components and keys to healthy conflict is we have to first establish strong relationships with the other people within our teams. We have to understand their experience, their background, what's important to them. Right. And then because when we do that, there's a certain level of respect. And now we've taken something to where we disagree. I think you're wrong. You think I'm wrong to one back to your number one purpose vision. So this is where we're going. We're both completely committed to it. We bring different perspectives. We value each other and each other's perspectives. So now we're not actually in conflict. We're having discussion and we have the courage to have the discussion because I know you're interested in my opinion and what I think, and you know I'm interested in your opinion and what you think. And so we feel safe to have this without worrying about damaging a relationship or being looked at or viewed in a different way or looked down on or shunned. And in the process, here we're giving people a voice. We're letting know they're seen, they're heard, they're valued, they're appreciated. They matter. Um, awesome. I, I love that. And as I saw healthy conflict on there, I definitely, I was like, I want to get in and, and talk about that with you and, uh, yeah. and, and go, yeah, awesome. And you know, when you were talking, one other thing, Chris, my mind to, to add on that is in order to, to have successful debates, conflicts, or healthy conflicts, whichever we then use later as, as a name of that, we really need to develop in a team the ability to listen to each other get curious and ask questions, which again, go back first to leader if he or she can demonstrate that. Because only if he or she can demonstrate that and do that, he or she can bring it in a team and help the members to engage in such a way rather than defending and, you know, judging, mm -hmm. which is the opposite of what we want to achieve. Well, you, just, you just said a word that is so important, I think, today in leadership, and that's curious. Be curious. It's so important. Um, in any relationship, it's so important in leadership because earlier you were talking about biases and, and I get into conversations with people. I've got 20 years of experience. I've got 30 years of wisdom. I got, and I say, you know, you do, but that also means you have 25 to 30 years of bias. Your, our brains are so lazy. They get wired. You know, it's, it's just crazy to me how somebody can draw a conclusion. There's 10 pieces of the puzzle. And this last time this happened and they had all 10 pieces, but this time there's three pieces that are the same, seven are different, but they're drawing the same conclusion. It's just utterly ridiculous to me. Like it is so frustrating. And to try to help people see that, like be proud of your experience, lean into your experience, lean into that wisdom, but know that it's intertwined with bias. And that's why it's so important to be able to have these conversations, to be able to surround yourself with diverse experiences, diverse pieces of wisdom and nuggets. So we understand we're, we're dealing with what we actually have instead of this perception. People are like perceptions, reality, it really isn't like what people think about mm -hmm. us is what they think about us. But are we going to solve a perception? We're going to solve this thing that pe are we going to solve what's really going on here? And so I just, as you talked about the, the curiosity and be curious, wanted to tie that back to, you know, experience and wisdom is great, but it's intertwined with bias and we got to be aware of that. And that's why this is so important to me. And I wanted to dive into this healthy conflict and the way that you brought this to life so beautifully. 
Yeah, and thank you for addressing that as well, because, you know, that builds on another thing to share, but we can probably do this on and on because we're so passionate about the topic. We but can. <laughs> and, and, and I think, Samia, what you said is about embracing the curious mind, um, questioning self, because as you say, brain does, you know, we all have our operating system. So it goes back before we even started to work, honestly speaking. So there mm-hmm. is much more biases we have that we need to work on. But um, we do a lot of assumptions. So with your example of three components are there and with the rest is a story which is in our mind, right? So we do a lot of assumptions. So I think the healthy way of a, of a leader or the simplest way as a leader is to question your thoughts, question your assumptions. Is that true? Is that really true? Can I be absolutely 100% sure that it's true what I am assuming here, right? And also asking and staying curious and asking questions to understand other perspectives, right? So that's the other thing. Absolutely. Let's go to number four, uh, true commitments. Uh, what what does that mean to you? Why is it so important to thriving cultures and teams? Yeah, well, if we're not really committed to what we want to do together, then we will not really stay accountable to what we just said we will do, isn't it? So, so you know, that's the the one puzzle on a block, a building block in in thriving teams. Yeah. So we have built the trust. We have created a space so we can have uh, honest conversations, right? And 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 debates and and everybody can actually contribute to creating something. So the next step is is to commit to whatever to pursue on whichever actions and uh, and direction we agreed together as a team. And that is where again the shared purpose, having a shared purpose and vision is helping us to guide us and bring us back of why we do what we do. And what is you know the end result that we are pursuing so commitment is 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 basically just one important building block into into uh realizing the vision right mm-hmm. it goes beyond even it doesn't go about you know committing just to action but committing to your mission committing to your role and this is where an adult angle comes right when we talk about distributing roles and how we what is what is in it for me and how do i what is my role into you know into into contributing to that result into contributing to that division and 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 goals it's another beautiful conversation of of what the impact that i want to make right that leader needs to have with a with a with a team member is is what's your strengths but also what's your motivators and where do you want to uh, you know make an impact because that is going to reflect this person's commitment also to do yeah. that Right. Very often we try to, you know, dump certain activities and tasks on people that might not be in line with how we check for skill set. That's kind of the first parameter we like most of leaders check. But have we checked with their motivation? Have we checked with their desire where you want to be? Have we had a a deeper level of conversation with them what they really want and what's where they want to go into? Right. Um, So it also goes into the effective delegation. So. We can again talk a lot about commitment. Why commitment is because basically when we're fully committed as a team uh, to to what we want to achieve together, and we believe in that vision, we believe in that purpose, then things starts to happen, and then actually people take accountability for their actions. Oh, one hundred percent. You know, as you were talking about this, a couple of things popped into my head as far as this the the importance of true commitment. One is trust. Uh, David Horsager defines trust. He's a world-renowned trust expert. Uh, wrote the book The Trust Edge and the Trusted Leader as a confident beliefs, a confident belief in a person or an organization. And so when we keep our commitments, we're trusted to keep our commitments. And then 
because other people kept their commitments, we feel a duty and an obligation to keep our commitments. Even when the workload's high or something is going on in our personal lives, or we're just not feeling like bringing it that day. Maybe we don't have the energy. Maybe we didn't get a good night's sleep. But when you've got a culture where we keep our commitments, people find a way to keep their commitments. And then the other thing, it's just so huge to execution. Like you can't have a great team if you don't execute. And yeah. you know, and in a in a in a great team in a healthy culture, we don't have micromanagement going on. We have check-ins, you know, we're we're keeping a flow where we're at. But in order to be a great team, I've got to count on the fact that, you know, Dagmara is taking care of her side and you got to count on the fact daddy, Danny's taking care of his because when these things come together and mesh as one in, you know, several ingredients of what are making us a great team and how we're performing. So, so important, but, you know, true commitments, understanding people's motivation, their desire, their passion and understanding, you know, like how their actions their mission, their role, how it's creating impact and how it ties in and aligns to the purpose of the organization. I love how you brought that together. Thank well, you, well thank done. you. And I love the aspect of trust you brought because this is like one puzzle of trust, right? It's reliability. So that's the how we build reliability, the by commitment uh, to, towards each other. Right? And it's actually funny also, uh, not funny, but fascinating how much when we don't act on what we say we will do, it's directly damaging the trust within ourselves. Yeah. One thing is commitment towards each other, which you mentioned, which is so important because when I know that I can rely on you, that's the one element of trust, right? Then, then I just focus on, you know, uh, execution of what I, uh, what I am uh, uh, impacting in organization, so that you can also do your part, right? But it is another angle that when I committed to something and I don't follow through that, then I actually starts to uh, reduce the trust within on, on about on myself or about myself. Or my own self-trust, you know. That's words. such an interesting perspective. I absolutely love that um, revelation there. It's not just about do other people trust you or have a confident belief in you. It's you lose trust in yourself, which causes you to lose confidence in yourself, which causes you to be out of alignment with yourself, which causes all these other <laughs> issues and problems. Wow. So you see, there are more meaning to the commitment here. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. So Dagmar, we're, uh, we're approaching the end here. And we've got, it's perfect because one last component and that's accountability. What What's accountability mean to you? How do you define accountability and why is it so important within teams? Mm. Well, that's the magic building block for execution. <laughs> As we wanted to mention, right? The keyword execution. Uh, so it's basically following through on, on what you said, right? So you committed to that, now you follow through, right? And and uh, that's the realization of your commitment. And, and it's, again, multidimension is a sense of ownership for, first of all, for what you committed to, which is key to execution, but it's also a sense of ownership for the collective results. That's why we started with shared purpose and vision, because I am a member of a team. I have a you know, role to play in the team. And what I, uh, whatever I do is for the results and, 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 and goal of the team, right? And vision and, and shared purpose. So... So again, accountability is, is another aspect to, to execution. And, um, you know, very often we are looking into leaders to be the gatekeepers of 
accountability in the team, which means, you know, that, you know, we have a one-on-one discussions and the check-ins and, and the leader is, uh, is checking on if you follow through on what you said you're going to do. And if not, let's have a, you know, let's explore in a best case, why, you <laughs> know, worst case it can go in a different way. Um, and how, how, you know, what support you need and so on. But the key to extraordinary team actually is when um, members support each other and check in on each other and challenge each other and give themselves feedback to support the whole system. Um, this is why, you know, at the beginning, the trust, the relationship building is so important so that, you know, peers can actually challenge each other into uh, keeping each other words and uh, and following through on whatever uh, each said. And it can be about, you know, accountability is about, that's another angle as well. Uh, it's about um, taking ownership for the goals and for the task, for the objectives, for whatever you're committed to. And at the same time, it's about behaviors committed in a team, which are linked with values, right? And your own personal behaviors, because that's come back to your personal growth. What do you want to, where you need to grow so that you and the team benefit? So if we can, in a great team, embrace those three lenses of how can we challenge each other and support each other so that we all stay accountable to what we said in terms of the goals and tasks and the behaviors and how we can help each other to grow. That's like the the magic for for a team to thrive and a culture. And and it takes away the the whole gatekeeping of, of leaders as well and make leader as, as any member also on a team because there's quite a lot of work as well right if you think about it <laughs> of and, leader chasing you know, people and if you create a culture where there's this kind of accountability where we can challenge each other where it's not just the leader that has to step forward and demonstrate courage when somebody hasn't kept their commitment to the team boy that is powerful that is yeah. so, so powerful. We often say without accountability, the entire house will fall. You know, I think there's five critical components of leadership um, in, in great organizations, vision, culture, strategy, execution, and accountability. And, you know, you can be knocking it out of the park on culture. You can have a great vision. You can have an amazing strategy. But if there's not accountability to the execution, but not just to the execution, it's actions, but it's the behaviors. It's how we treat each other. It's how we communicate. It's this expectation that we have, that we do challenge each other. Um, and that we're so also committed to the vision. We have that ownership, a very healthy ownership. Wow. 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 I just absolutely love this framework. Again, we're talking to Dogmaro Asprick, uh, this has just been, I love the depth you have added on each of these components. And I'm glad we took a couple minutes to dive in about leading ourselves and the clarity in that. And then the focus, when we talk about vision, purpose, values, to get really clear on that with ourselves. Again, the recap of the five critical components of building a thriving culture um, and really a championship team. Number one, vision, purpose, values. Number two, trust and psychological safety, number three, healthy conflict, number four, true commitments, number five, accountability. What a powerful, powerful framework. I've taken so many notes during our conversation. Dagmar, do you want to issue any kind of a call to action or anything for our listeners today? Something um, that that they can do themselves uh, walking away from this episode? 
Yeah, that's uh, as you nicely sum sum it up. It's 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 a lot of things, right? So now, what is the one or two or three things, right, <laughs> in a journey of leadership? I think the first, really first call into action is commit to your personal growth because that's a starting point. I really truly believe and wish that every leader has a coach. And why? Because it's invaluable. So that's kind of a first action. And if you don't have a coach, get yourself at least somebody that can help you to challenge your perspective, challenge your thinking, challenge your assumptions and help you to discover yourself and get more clarity about yourself. So that's kind of one message really uh, because without this, again, it's like the the, the deeper foundation of, of the house even, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second is, is um, embrace vulnerability. Embrace vulnerability in order to and show up, show up human as you also nicely labeled, right? So that you can build the psychological safe space, which is absolute foundation for everything, and start to ask open-ended questions and listen activity. I think this is if I can simplify into how it's so powerful for accountability, so powerful commitment, so powerful for discussions, for conflict to mention, right? So if you can bring more of that into the way you lead your team and organization, um, that's the great starting point. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, Dagmar, where can people find you at? Well, I'm pretty um, vivid on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is one of the, the platform that you know people can find me most. Uh, also, um, I have my website, www.theextraordinaryleadership.com. I think the easiest is really to reach out through LinkedIn. Then we can have a conversation further. Awesome. And so for our listeners, there'll be links to both of those things and any other resources uh, Dagmar shares with us. Um, So you can learn more about her, more about her leadership thought, philosophy, the skills, the key components. We are aligned in in so many ways as you're walking through everything here. There's my, my brain is firing in all cylinders. I just love the work you're doing that commitment to being a lifelong learner, that commitment to human-centric leadership. Very, very powerful framework. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Danny. It was an absolute pleasure, of course, to to share with you and to have a discussion. We have a great discussion and, you know, challenge and and build on that. So thank you very much. I really really, uh, enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. We cannot wait to to get this episode out there and live for people to listen and learn and enjoy. And again, so cool that you're joining us from Dubai to our listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button, give us a rating or review so we can help reach more people organically. And remember always be committed to excellence.